jewel of gold in a swine's snout, so is a fair woman, which is without discretion. So point number six, beware external beauty if she doesn't have internal value, if there's not internal substance. So just like a jewel in a swine's nose, so is a fair woman, which is without taste, without discretion. Okay, so I tried to find a beautiful pig lady and the best I could come up with is an Arkansas fan, a Razorback fan, and so there it is. I I did the best I could. Um, As a jewel of gold and a swine snout, so is a fair woman, which is without discretion. And so here's what you need to know. Nose jewels were very common in the East, okay? You see that in the Bible, so there. I put a really big nose ring in her and in her nose there, and so that, very common in the East. Okay, so I want you to think about this for a second. What does a nose jewel do for a pig? What does a nose jewel add in terms of the value of the pig, the attractiveness of the pig, your desire to snuggle with that pig? It does nothing, right? It's still a pig. No matter how the pig is dressed up on the outside, it's still a pig. So here's what the Bible is talking about. You've got a fair, a beautiful woman without discretion. In other words, she is without taste. Her behavior is off. The way that she rolls, the way that she communicates, it's not correct. Uh, It's translated, this word discretion as advice. Be thy advice in 1 Samuel 25, 33. And David's comment on Nabal's wife is, blessed be thy advice, blessed be thou, which has kept me this day from coming to shed blood and from avenging myself with my own hand. Uh, Lady, not only are you beautiful, but you're thinking, blessed be your discretion, your advice. Uh, You've got good judgment, you've got good understanding. So anytime, let me just talk to the young single guys, anytime you're evaluating a woman, okay, she may be hot, all right? But that is not the sum total of what you're looking for because yeah, if she's hot, but hello, she's still a pig, uh, you can do better than that. If a beautiful woman rejects right thinking, uh, she's gonna be nothing but trouble for you. If a beautiful woman rejects right thinking, she's no more to be desired than a pig with a nose ring. I mean, all the ladies are wearing the nose ring, but look, it's a pig. Put lipstick on a pig, what do you have? It's still a pig, okay? I mean, no matter how you dress it up, listen to me, boys, you do not want to marry a pig, right? If she's acting like she loves the mud, she loves the filth of this world, well, you can do better than that. I don't care how good she looks. So here it is. Here is a beautiful woman with poor taste, bad judgment, bad behavior. Here's what goes in the blank. Walk away. Just walk away. Not worth it. Now you contrast this woman with poor taste with a virtuous woman. You wanna know what you're looking for. Okay, yeah, you ought to be whoever you're gonna spend your life with. You, you ought to find them attractive, but make sure you're attracted to the heart. In Proverbs 31, verses 10 through 31, you get, the, you get God's perspective on what a woman should look like. A godly woman, what does she look like? We already saw this in verse 16 here in Proverbs 11. A gracious woman retaineth honor. She retaineth honor. In Proverbs 31, 
She's described this way in verse 30. Favor is deceitful. I mean, it, it, it could literally be a, a dressed up pig that you're lusting after. Beauty is vain, but a woman that feareth the Lord, she shall be praised. You want someone that is beautiful in terms of the heart, in terms of the heart, how, what, what her want-tos in life are pointed to. That's what you want. First Peter chapter three says, if you're gonna put lipstick on it, okay, here's what it looks like. First Peter chapter three, verses three through four, and this is really to the ladies. Who's adorning? Let it not be the outward adorning of plating of the hair and of wearing of gold or of putting on of apparel. You know, it takes a while to look Instagram great, doesn't it? How much time do the Instagram models spend getting ready for their, their Instagram shoot? What do you think's typical? I mean, I really don't know. I'll bet you it's more than five minutes. Am I right? Ladies just work, it's, they're taking more than five minutes, aren't they? Okay, a lot of the ladies are like, I'll bet you, now I don't know, I really don't, I mean, looked it up, but I'll bet you if I did, I'd find out some of these ladies spend over an hour getting ready for whatever that Instagram moment is, or they'll spend an hour afterwards working on the photo <laughs> to make sure it's Instagram ready. Okay. You're gonna live your life that way? You're gonna be able to live your life that, okay. What you catch them with is what you keep them with, all right? You want the guy to want you, not just how you look. And I get it, you look good and you've got, you know, everything's in the right place and all of that, but you're not gonna keep that together like that when you're 80. Be the person that a wise man wants, right? So what are, you gonna, what are you gonna gussy up? What are you going to adorn? Verse four says, but let it be the hidden man of the heart and that which is not corruptible, even the ornament of a meek and quiet spirit, which is in the sight of God of great price. Whenever my wife is 90 and she looks like the crypt keeper, okay? I mean, I'm not saying it'll be that bad, but I'm just, if it is, no, no, no big deal. I know her, I know who she is. She could, she could be Crip, Crip Keeper 90, if you know what I'm talking about, okay? And that's who I wanna be with. That's who I wanna give a hard time. That's who I wanna see if I can get her to take a swing at me. I mean, I just, that's, she is, that is my best friend, I love her. She has such a wonderful heart. She cares about, she loves the Lord, she loves God, she loves God's people, she cares about people. Um, I, I, would not, I would not trade her for, for anyone on this planet. Uh, she's, she's Proverbs 31, cool. All right, verse 23. Desire and expectation. The desire of the righteous is only good, but the expectation of the wicked is wrath. Okay, whenever you compare both lines of this couplet, Desire, the word desire, is paralleled to the word expectation. And so what we're talking about here is the outcome of your life, right? It's the outcome of your life and how it's lived that's being shown in this contrast and comparison in verse 23. The desire of the righteous is only good, but the expectation of the wicked is wrath. And so from God's perspective, what do we see? Well, the righteous, the way they roll, their outcome in life, it's good. But for the wicked, God's wrath over their life is the inevitable outcome. And we've already seen this, Proverbs 10. 
We saw the fear of the wicked, it shall come upon him, the thing that they fear, it'll happen. The desire of the righteous shall be granted. In verse 28, the hope of the righteous shall be gladness, gladness, but the expectation of the wicked shall perish. We saw this in chapter 11, verse four, riches profit not the day of wrath, but righteousness delivereth from death. When a wicked man dieth, verse seven, his expectation shall perish, and the hope of unjust men perisheth. So here's the key. You set your expectation, you set your hope properly. What should the desire be? Well, let God himself be the desire of your heart, be as your next blank. Psalms 27, verse four says, one thing have I desired. One thing have I desired of the Lord that I will seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. Uh, You desire that, you'll get that. The desire of the righteous is only good. Psalm 37, verse four, delight thyself also in the Lord and he shall give thee the desires of thine heart. We were just singing about this, right? We are the Lord's and he is ours, right? And he is mine. Uh, If Christ is the desire of our heart, oh man, that's what we'll get. Psalms 119, with my whole heart have I sought thee. Isaiah 26, verse nine, with my soul have I desired thee in the night. Matthew 5, 6, blessed are they which hunger and thirst after righteousness for they shall be filled. So a great example of the righteous and what they hunger after would be Daniel in Daniel chapter 10. He's desiring to hear from the Lord. He sees a need in his people. He needs an answer from God over his people. Uh, His desire is to hear from the Lord. Surprise, surprise, guess what? He hears from the Lord. Contrast him, right? Psalms 10, verse 17 says, the Lord hears the desire of the humble. So then you see Daniel compared with Belshazzar in Daniel chapter five. What's his desire? To roll like the Antichrist. And you read about his life in Daniel chapter five. And so it happened to him as it happened to the world in Genesis six, whose heart was only evil continually. It was inevitable that the wrath of God would roll over this corrupt, this corrupt planet who was so wicked in satanic worship and literally jacking up the human genome. You see that, that, that Noah alone was upright in all of his generations. And so you've got, uh, you've got uh, the, the, the corrupting, you literally just see it right there in Genesis 6, the complete corruption of humanity, both physically and spiritually. And just like it was inevitable that Sodom, so in Genesis 6, the world was overcome with water, Sodom, was overcome with fire, the fire fell. Here's the thing that we have to see from scripture. The wicked can expect God's wrath to fall upon them. So the answer is simple, repent. Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. Let, the, let, let your desire be a righteous desire. Come to Calvary, come to Christ as your sin bearer, trust in the finished work of Christ at at Calvary over your sin. All right, in verses 24 through 26, we see the stingy versus the generous. And so what we'll see, the generous are blessed and the stingy are busted. 24 says, there is, here's the first type of person, there is that scattereth and yet increaseth. They're givers and yet they just keep growing financially. They keep being blessed. And there is that withholded more than is meet, 
it's proper for you to withhold, but if you withhold everything, you're not thinking biblically. There is that withholdeth more than is meet, but attendeth to poverty. So you're trying to get every penny you can for yourself and you can't, you can't ever seem to get by. Well, there's a reason for that. Verse 25 says, the liberal soul shall be made fat and he that watereth shall be watered also himself. He that withholdeth corn, the people shall curse him, but blessing shall be upon the head of him that selleth it. And so get these principles down. Um, the first principle that we're seeing from Proverbs 11 here is be generous, okay? Be generous, be a giver. Out of, out of, you are a steward and you represent the living God. So everything that God's entrusting to you, you're supposed to manage it for his glory. Be a, God gave freely to you. You follow his example and be a generous giver. What you have, invest out of that into the lives of others. And do it knowing this great key. You can never outgive God. Um, you can try, but you cannot do it. You cannot outgive God. God will always give you more than you will ever be able to give yourself. But give full of faith, okay? Be the person that God can entrust with riches, with resources. You wanna be that person. Be the person that God can entrust with resources. And so I'll throw a picture up here of George Mueller. This is George Mueller. Um, he is one of the greatest givers, and if you think about it in terms of the widow's might, okay, everybody's giving, everybody's impressed with what they're able to give, and the widow comes and she throws in her two pennies, her two mites, and from God's perspective, she gives more than they all, okay? He's gonna do more with those two mites than the riches, the abundance that the others gave as a tip, you know? She gave, uh, she gave in her poverty, she gave uh, she gave sacrificially. Uh, that's the kind of giver that George Mueller was. He started with nothing, and people have tried to calculate the amount of wealth that went through George Mueller's hands because he was gonna take care of the orphan. Um, it, it didn't stop there. He fueled the mission work around the world with resources and Bibles. Uh, people have tried to calculate the value and, and it's in, in, in terms of what he did at that time, today it would be in the billions uh, that would have passed through his hands. Uh, certainly uh, many great millions of dollars. Uh, he was the steward to make sure that they did the work of the Lord. And uh, John Phillips' commentary on him is he was one of heaven's billionaires. Uh, like Abraham, Mueller died full. Now, look at verse 26. Your generosity should be fair to you as well. Okay, you have supply that others need, so make sure that you move it at market value. Notice uh, the giver isn't actually giving at no price, okay, but it is a fair price. Um, you know, there is that scattereth. There's gonna be giving that you do, and when you scatter, you don't necessarily expect everything back, but you know that God's gonna bless your liberality and you're gonna be taken care of and you will increase because God is using you as a steward. Yet at the same time, in verse 26, you see a guy that has resources and he won't sell it. Okay, there's a need. Your neighbors have need and they need to be able to purchase what you have because you have an abundance of supply, they have need, and so if you withhold it, uh, the people will curse. 
Okay, so the principle here is, is you have supply that others need, move it at market value. In other words, don't hold it back to jack up the price. Uh, don't be a price gouger. Don't, don't be someone who is hoarding to artificially drive the market up so that you can sell it at a higher price. No, sell it for what is fair. <clears throat> Look at, look at verse 24. You say, well, if you have it, you should give it. Uh, again, there is he that withholdeth more than is meat. There is an amount that's meat. It's proper for you to withhold. Why? Well, your, your household, you can trust the Lord for your household to increase as well. If I give, well, then I don't have it. Well, no, that's not how the principle works. Give, and it will come back to you. Uh, you, 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 let's say, let's say you're a donut baker, and you say, well, if I give all my donuts, then what will my family eat? No, 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 you're a donut baker. So you keep baking donuts, and you'll have donuts to sell, you'll have some donuts to give away, and you'll have some donuts to feed your family. Um, don't just be a donut baker, because all your children will die of type 2 diabetes. Don't, you know, you can expand beyond that. But notice... It's more than is meat. There's some level that's meat. You are supposed to have a growing pool of resources. Why? Proverbs 13, 22 tells you, a good man leaveth an inheritance to his children's children. Um, you are, your, your children's children should have blessing and resource. That's what you're trusting the Lord for as a steward. You, wanna, you, wanna, you, don't, want, you don't wanna be that, you wanna be wise. You don't wanna be that person that gives your children and your children's children everything and now they don't know how to work for a living. You know, they, they were born with a silver spoon in their mouth and they don't know how to take care of themselves. Don't be that person. Uh, teach your children the value of laboring in a field, but you ought, to, you ought to set your family up so that they're not starting from scratch, right? You wanna help them get an education. Uh, you wanna have something that's gonna be a blessing to your grandchildren. That's what you want to do. Uh, so if, you, if you're busted because you give everything, you didn't not just give what was meat, but you gave everything, well then you don't have the resources uh, to pass on to your children's children. Um, don't be a profiteer, be a neighbor, okay? Uh, sell at market value, but, um, but um, you know, trust the Lord. You know, in all of these things, you say, well, you know, man, how do, how do I know what is the right response in any given situation? You know, I've got somebody over here that needs benevolence. Well, if you have it, you'll give it, amen? If you've got a brother or a sister that's in need, and they're, they're literally suffering without, and you have the supply, you had it within you to be benevolent, why wouldn't you do that? Besides, you're in the donut making business. Just give them a dozen donuts and uh, go bake some more. But praise the Lord, you have a job, amen? And so you're gonna keep getting the resources that you need to be able to make investment where the need is legitimately there. But again, at the end of the day, you're still a steward, okay? You're accountable before the Lord to manage the resources of your home, to, manages the to manage the resources of your household. And so do it with wisdom. Okay, your household should increase. You know someday you're gonna be walking with a cane, you're gonna be in your 90s, and you're not gonna be doing what you're doing right now in terms of making a living. Okay, do not in your 90s be a burden 
on your children and your grandchildren, right? You're supposed to be the one providing for them. And so use the common sense of a steward. Now this principle, if I give, I lose, no, no. That's not how it works because there's a spiritual dynamic to this. Greedy people don't understand the spiritual dynamic to our physical outcomes in life. And uh, I give you several references here for this. But the illustration, before we look at the scripture, you've got an illustration in your Bible of two seas. The Sea of Galilee, every drop of water that she receives, she eventually passes it on. And because of that, there is life in the Sea of Galilee. Not, not only is there life in her, but that life provides life for others that come to her. So the Sea of Galilee, she doesn't hoard. Uh, she free, what she receives, she freely gives. Now there's another sea in your Bible. What the Sea of Galilee gives up, that goes down the Jordan River, and that makes its way south for, uh, I don't know, it's something like 100 and change miles, okay, so uh, that makes its way south to the Dead Sea. The Dead Sea is greedy. She takes every drop in, but she gives no drops out, okay? All she does is take and take and take for herself, and the Dead Sea is now dead, okay? So don't miss that illustration. Why? Well, Proverbs 3 tells you why. Verse 9, honor the Lord with thy substance and with the first fruits of all thine increase, so shall thy barns be filled with plenty. Be someone that God can entrust resources to. Ecclesiastes 11 tells you why. Cast thy bread upon the waters, for thou shalt find it after many days. John chapter 12 gives you the principle, except a corn of wheat fall into the ground and die, it abideth alone, but if it die, it bringeth forth much fruit. Give, sacrifice, be willing to give. It bringeth forth much fruit. Luke 6 tells you why, verse 38, given it shall be given unto you, good measure and pressed down, shaken together, running over, shall men give into your bosom. For with the same measure that you meet with all, it shall be measured to you again. Give and it comes back. You're, why? Because you're someone that God can entrust resources to. You're a steward, not a greedy hoarder. That makes sense? So again, use the, use the, the wisdom of scripture. 2 Corinthians chapter 9 tells you how this spiritual principle works. He which soweth sparingly, verse 6, shall reap also sparingly. He which soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. Every man according as he purposeth in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loveth a cheerful giver. And that, again, is not even just talking about what you would give in the context of ministry, but also in the context of how you would roll with your neighbor or with a brother or sister in Christ or another church or, or you're here of a need, uh, you know, there's some catastrophe in some other part of the world. Whatever you're gonna do, let it be of a cheerful heart. You are somebody that God raised up for such a time as this. God loves, you're someone that he can entrust to be a steward, not just to bless yourself, but also to be a blessing in the lives of other people. God is able to make all grace abound towards you, that ye having all sufficiency in all things may abound to every good work. Psalm 112, verse nine tells you about this spiritual principle. He hath dispersed, he hath given to the poor. His righteousness endureth forever. His horn shall be exalted with honor. Uh, God's looking for some people with his heart. Christ gave everything so that we could have everything, so that we could have him, amen? 
okay, so beware. When you see need and you're able to be a help, uh, you have the resources. It won't destroy you to help someone in need. You stop your ears at the cry of the poor. Uh, you, in other words, you're stingy. You tempt God to be stingy with you. Don't do that. Uh, Isaiah chapter 58 talks about our need to help the hungry and the hurting. In Matthew chapter 25, you see one of the judgments, okay, at the second coming of Christ, and the complaint of the Lord was, is I had brethren that you wouldn't take care of, and so you didn't take care of me, and they're all offended, like, what, when did we not take care of you, you know? It's like, you didn't take care of my brethren, Matthew 25, 36 through 46. Whenever God's people, they belong to the living God, and we don't care about their suffering, uh, that's offensive to our Father. Uh, God wants his children to take care of one another. Now, if you're in a place where through your carelessness, you've set yourself up for catastrophe, in other words, if you have willingly destroyed your life, and we saw this whenever we went through our, our study in Thessalonians, and Paul's solution to this problem was very clear. If you don't work, you don't eat. I know your belly is growling, and you want a sandwich really bad, but the scripture is very clear. You don't work, well then you must not be that hungry, right? But there are people who real, I mean they show up, they clock in, they're working, they're doing all the right things, and yet for whatever reason, God will allow life to happen to them. They have brothers and sisters in their life, right? We're entrusted with resources so that we can be benevolent to brothers and sisters in a time of need. That not only, here's the thing that we want to get, that not only blesses them, but it blesses the Father's heart as well. And now we are a people that God can entrust with resources to keep being a, bless, uh, to keep being a blessing to other people. Is this making sense? Uh, I pray the Lord give you wisdom. We are out of time. God bless you. We are dismissed.